I feel like there's a lot of disenchantment. We're not seeing the kind of victories where we want to see them. Week to week, it's like, what's the next bad thing we're going to hear? People are tired, and I think change comes when expectations start to rise. And across the board, expectations are rising. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. My guests today, Johnny Turnage and Averett Parksdale, are working on an HDL-funded startup called Evenscore. Johnny is an organizer and Averett a technologist. They're building a contribution dashboard that aims to help lead small-dollar political donations to campaigns where they can make the largest impact. Their story is instructive both about how they settled on what problem to try to solve and what it takes to operate in the progressive political technology ecosystem these days. If you are interested in such things, you should listen. So, first my sponsor, then my interview with Johnny and Averett of Evenscore. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from TimePlots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. TimePlots Library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. Averett and Johnny, could you each introduce yourselves and give me quick biographies? I am Averett Barksdale. Uh, Currently, I am in Houston, Texas, originally from Detroit, Michigan. I am actually, funny fact, brother-in-law with Johnny. We're married to sisters, so we both originally met in Detroit. I have the tech background, so development and design. That's where all of my expertise are, really. And then he brings in that political organization round. Let me ask you just a couple of things before we turn to Johnny. You, uh, I assume, studied that tech and that design somewhere. Where and what sort of things did you learn? I originally studied at Oral Roberts University. And that was both a double major in computer engineering and then also marketing. And then after that, I went to a coding boot camp. And then I also attended a few classes at Harvard, which were just kind of like sign-on classes just to understand more about engineering and different things like that. Don't find too many people in the progressive world who went to Oral Roberts. What was your experience like there? Why did you go there and what was it like? Yeah, um, long story short, I originally had a basketball scholarship to go to college. I got injured. I no longer had that scholarship. And Oral Roberts, with the church I was connected to, uh, I got an introduction there, and then I had an interview, and they offered me a full scholarship. It was an interesting experience there. The scholarship was actually called the Whole Person Scholarship, which felt a little weird in itself, but it was a free education, so I took it. (laughs) (laughs) Where had you originally 
been planning to play basketball? Eastern Michigan. Yeah. And what, what position? Point guard. Yeah. What kind of injury? Uh, it was a knee injury. So it was my ACL on my right, and then I had meniscus issues in my left knee. Yeah, those knees are so important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was the engineering and design something that you had going into college, or did you develop that that interest later? What brought you into that? No, yeah. Um, so I had no background in any of that. Going into college, I knew I kind of liked certain aspects of marketing. Once I got an internship, I got an internship pretty early on at, uh, at ORU. And um, pretty much what happened was we had a lot of customers um, through our program and through our platform. What we did was we mostly did TV spots, so shooting commercials, different things like that. Tulsa is very behind the times, as one could imagine. And most of the clients that we had were all hosted by one web development company. And at the time, that company, were they were charging, I mean, I think their lowest contract was something like $50,000. And this was just for a GoDaddy website. So they were ripping people off. Lawsuits occurred. And then everyone jumped in. And then they ripped everyone's website down. So we're running these commercial TV spots. And I mean, there's no website to go to for a lot of our clients. So my boss approached me and was just like, hey, do you know anything about GoDaddy? I said, no. And she said, well, our clients need websites, so figure it out. I'll pay you extra per website that you build. And that incentivized me. It was like $700 extra website. So I was like, yeah, I was like, do you mind me being at the office like after hours? And I was there after hours figuring it out. And then eventually, I guess I just spent so much time doing it. I was, it just became very interesting. And then I felt like I was cheating the system by using GoDaddy. And then, uh, yeah, I hopped on YouTube and I built the interest. Then I added that on um, in college, like the classes and everything, and then just kept going from there. But that's where the interest first started. You said it was interesting, that was the word, to be at Oral Roberts. What was it like politically? <sighs> um, politically, it was not progressive at all. A lot of the views... At the time when I went to the school, I'm sure maybe even all the time, but at the time where I went to the school, they were just coming out of financial issues. So a lot of the views were shaped by the people basically who helped them get out of their financial issues. It definitely was not a progressive space. I don't know what it's like now. I left and I have no real plans of ever going back to Tulsa as a whole, but I, I definitely think it served its purpose, but politically and even in a quote unquote religious stance, um, they were pretty strict as well. And again, the message they were giving us was definitely had a political underlying to it, just not progressive at all. So where did you guys meet the sisters that you ended up marrying? So yeah, funny the church that I went to back in Detroit, they actually went to the church. Their parents went to the church. Um, and then that church opened up a school, a middle school and an elementary school. We went to that school. And then that's where I first kind of met my wife's younger brother. And I know a little bit about my wife, but she was like two grades older than me. So in middle school, that's kind of a, you know, out of reach type thing. Um, so, yeah, I met them there through that church. It kind of just always been around them. 
And then somehow, some way, we actually, me, her, her sister all ended up at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa together. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, what's what's your quick biography? So born in Detroit, moved around a lot, the Detroit metro area. So grew up in the kind of county area. And then I was an army brat through high school. Graduated down in uh, at Bradwell Institute in Hinesville, Georgia. Since middle school, I was heavily involved in voter registration, community engagement. So I had been, when I got back from Georgia after high school, I came back to be closer to family. I started out as a organizing intern to do like youth organizing, get out the vote organizing. And I just fell in love with the work. So I stayed there for a few years doing get out the vote, building youth organizing projects. Um, it was a part of the Gamaleo Network. So we did a lot of week-long national training. Um, just worked with some great organizers who've gone on to do great things. After about three and a half years there, I took some time off to go to school and take a break. And then during that like break, I got a call to be a part of UFCW. I've been with UFCW as an organizing, organizing director, political director, just wearing a bunch of different hats. So I've grown up in the movement. My grandfather was a Black Panther. So even as a little as a little boy, just involved in community engagement projects. The quick bio, I met the other sister coming back from an organizing conference in 2014. The only seat left on the plane was next to her. And um, as we were flying into Detroit, she leans over and says, hey. And I was like, what do I do? I don't know what to say to her. So I invited her to come to a work fundraiser. We had a Martin Luther King banquet. I was like, just come to the fundraiser banquet. I think <laughs> so I could not ask her out, but I can sell a fundraising ticket. And um, we've been kind of hanging around each other since then. And so you two didn't know each other previous to marrying into the same family? Yeah. Um, when COVID hit, we were all in the same kind of COVID pod. I think both of us moving towards marriage with each of the sisters dating. We did a lot of quarantine dates, like fire pits in the backyard, movie movie night, like just everything you had to do during 2020. Because we spent so much time together, after the 2020 elections, I started thinking about we needed to do something. And I was like, well, Averett, you build apps and tools. I don't know anything about that. Can I talk to you about some things? Can I send you some things? Can we start talking about this? And that's where the conversation began. It's like we just spent from March through November kind of with each other every other day. And honestly, honestly, with that, uh, with him saying he had a project in mind, I was a little bit frustrated because one, as a developer, I mean, everyone and their mother is coming to you. Oh, yeah, I got this idea for this. I got this idea for this. Right. So you kind of wave a lot of people off. And then I was already a little bit frustrated because at the time, our girlfriend's father wouldn't let us in the house. So I'm already frustrated. It's wintertime. I have to see my girlfriend in the backyard. We're watching movies on the <laughs> back porch with snow on the ground everywhere. And now I got him every day telling me he has this idea. So I, I kind of just really caved in there a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, so, but, but, but obviously it all worked out for the better. What, what was the idea, uh, Johnny? Um, in the beginning, it was just a, a voter, a kind of voter focused tool to help with the elections and answering some of the questions, not knowing kind of what to do, what to get, how to get involved. 
because of the pandemic, I was a little bit more removed from organizing than I'd ever been. So I was just faced with more people saying, how do I give to this or what should I do and like how to get involved? And I was like, Avert, we can build something that does this. Uh, and the first idea was kind of just like a scatter all like, I don't know what it is, but we can build something like this. And we just kept like talking about something that could engage voters with information, getting engaged, kind of like a digital organizing tool that just kind of could keep things kind of flowing when we're like stuck in spaces where we can't get together. Mm-hmm. Were you always thinking, I want to make a company out of this? Or did you just think, hey, this is a project. I'm trying to help the country. What were you guys thinking? In the beginning, it was a project. I think a lot of, Avert had more experience in terms of startups in there. I come from organizing a nonprofit. So I'm like, I know how to write grants. I know how to start nonprofits. I know how to do movements. And I get, I, I've done these kind of projects before. So I was a little bit like, I don't know what it could be, but I said, I know how to fundraise. Like, tell me like what we need to get started and point me in the direction and I can do the research and start just doing the outreach. Like you guys do the tech stuff. I can start the outreach and get us kind of where we need to be from there. And Averid and kind of initially there were a couple other people we were talking to, like we did a big brainstorm session and I think Avery and I just, the synergy was there. We stayed consistent and just kind of kept moving. But from that, I sent an email to Higher Ground Labs one day and I was like, here's how many years of experience we have in these various areas. We have an idea. I know it's rough. Can we talk to someone? Where did you find Higher Ground Labs? In the brainstorm, someone sent a link and then like, you know, you start reading an article, their name came up in the article that they sent. And I was like, wait, what is this? Like, what's an, ex- I am new to venture, did not know what an accelerator is. I'm like, so there's a program and I'm like, what does this mean? And then Averett kind of came in and shared his experience and told me what it, what it was. Right. I take it they saw the email and invited you to chat. Did you have to prepare for something? What what was the interaction with Higher Ground? The first call that we had set up with HGL, um, it really, it was very informal. So we really hadn't prepared much. And to me, it was a little weird, just only because how quickly they responded back, because I had never been in any political tech, any civic tech and nothing like that. So I come from like a fintech area, all these different like bigger tech areas, and I'm just not used to sending a very cold email and then getting such a great response back, right? Normally you got to jump through so many loops. Um, so once I saw that happen and I looked them up and I said, well, this is actually a reputable accelerator program. So I was at that moment, I was honestly more excited about the idea. And then after that first call, which was very informal, they were willing to work through us, talk about the idea, talk about places where they thought we could basically start to improve on. Um, I think that really helped me a lot just because I don't come from any type of political background. So kind of hearing some missing areas just generally kind of really helped us so that once we left that call, we definitely had a way better brainstorming session after that to kind of refine the idea. Johnny, tell me about that. What did you hear on that call and how did that focus what you were sort of pitching and working on? Yeah, we had talked to Teddy and he had just gave us a good overview of the space. 
he had referenced a couple companies that like I was aware of, Hustle and Ballot Ready. And he was like, here's where something like what you're talking pairs. Here are potential partnerships. Like just here's kind of the tools HDL offers. I think as a team, we really vibe. Like, cause even a part of our call, we just brainstormed the idea. And I like that. Like I'm an organizer, so I'm used to relationship building. When that happens, I'm like, this is a good space. As a team, we had good energy. I think on the call, he he offered to set up another call for us with someone else at HDL before the call was over. And it was like, all right, like we know kind of what forward progress looks like. Like we have to keep ourselves thinking this out, like all the way to the end. And then Avert really helped kind of explain, I think, pitch decks and just like the problem solution and the context. And Teddy walked through some of that with us. And I think he he responded to our problem and she did a really good job early on challenging us on the problem, which I think in the beginning, I literally did not understand what Averett would say to me when he's like the problem. And I was like, I don't, I just don't, I don't know what you mean. By the problem, like what are you solving for potential customers? Yeah. yeah. What did you then decide was the problem? Um, Ooh, that's Avert, Aver, why don't you swing take yeah. a swing at that? Yeah. Yeah. So that sent us into a deep spiral. Because we <laughs> a were bad sitting. One? Yeah, <laughs> we were we were we were sitting there twiddling our thumbs. I'm like, Johnny, we have to have a problem we're solving for in order for this to work. I'm trying to like beat this that into a fairly basic, but yes. <laughs> and 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 it's honest, is it's, it's honestly part of it is basic, but there is some depth in even the most simplest of problems, right? Um, so, and I think that led to a lot of late nights, a ton of late nights where I'm just up and I'm like calling Johnny at like three 30 in the morning. I'm like, Johnny, what about this? Let's talk it through here. And, and, and sometimes he'll be up, sometimes he'll be asleep. Then he'll call me at late night. He's like, Hey, what about this? And, and, and so it, it definitely sent us into a spiral there, but a good one, a bad and a good one at the same time. And how did the two sisters respond to all of this? late night back and forth between their men honestly honestly it it worked out for them because they're very close we're talking about a family and sisters who are like super close they honestly don't mind they probably prefer that we're working together and they probably yeah and probably in their wildest dreams we all move into the same house as well so. (laughs) (laughs) so what what was the problem that you continued to like iterate on and try to figure out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the problem early on is we knew we want to focus on the, the low dollar donor. So, and in that regard, we kept going down paths of looking at how the low dollar donor, obviously in these last um, elections here has made such a large change. And there's been a lot of growth there. They've pushed the needle, but yet there is, no platforms that are specifically catered towards them. Most of the platforms are catered towards the donate, right? Like an Act Blue, different things like that are more catered towards the donate. There's nothing catered towards that low dollar donor. Um, so our problem, initial problem was that um, for the low dollar donor, discovery and tracking, right? Um, one of the things that we saw in talking to just, I mean, hundreds of donors. Um, one of the things that we saw was there. Oh, well, and we already knew donations in any of sort is an emotional pool. Right. Um, but one of the things that we saw was like, oh, I saw an ad. Right. 
or I just kept getting this email. And that's why I donated, right? Without having real any background information or any understanding on that candidate campaign or that organization. And we saw that as uh, a huge downfall, right? And as we talked to these donors, it's like, hey, where do you go find other candidates or organizations that are similar or likely to your interest or what you just donated it, right? If you actually care about the cause, where do you go find those? And a lot of people didn't have answers. And then that's when people also came to us and said, hey, well, I don't know. I, it feels kind of lonely that I give money and I never hear anything back, but another email, maybe later asking for more money. So that's where we kind of started to put together that that discovery and that tracking, which kind of led down the line to what we consider like our secret sauce and our, our, our focus. Johnny, tell me, what would someone using your, you built an app, right? Or you're in the process of building one. Mm -hmm. What would a user encounter that would help them have a relationship and better understanding of what their money is doing? Yeah. The main way through the app, we're using some data from another HDL company called Deck to show the predictability of the chances of the candidate to win in the app kind of as we get it to where it, where it needs to be. Um, so a donor is going to not only get to, after they donate to, let's say they came there to donate for uh, Bernie because they're already donating and they just use even score this time. Um, we're going to show you other people like Bernie who are either slated to win campaigns or in areas where your money can make an impact. So you're seeing like, here's where I'm needed. And you're also seeing, here's how I kind of bet on winners. So you can maximize the return on your investment. And I think another way we do that in terms of just kind of closing the feedback loop is we are exploring more video content and getting candidates to be able to interface video content back towards the donor. Is Max Wood still with Deck? Yes, yes. Yeah, I had him on the show some some time ago. And so I'm aware of the, the Deck tool set to some degree. Was it difficult to arrange a relationship? How did you um, like negotiate what that would be, or do they just provide that information to you for free? Higher Ground Labs arranged that. Once we got on the Zoom with Max, we immediately had a connection, right? And just things that we liked about, things that we talked about, and then before even talking about our actual product. Then we told him about our product. And it was at that time, we were still very much in the weeds with the product. So it was a lot of bouncing around in the description. And I don't think he was sold until our very next Zoom call. I came back with the actual design, right? Our first design of what we're trying to build. And when we left that first Zoom call, he was like, I don't know, guys. I feel like this has tried to be done before, blah, 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 different things like that. But he was like, we could meet again. I said, OK. And I created that design for him. And then we went through the design and he fell in love. He was like, this is something I would use. He was like, I know a lot of people who would also use this very thing. And that kind of helped our, uh, build our relationship so he could see the vision. What was in that design? Yes. So in that design was a more social facing experience for the donor 
Because one of the biggest things that we've found with even score is that discovery is a problem. And then the tracking, right? What happens when I give my money to this candidate or to this organization? What do they actually do with it? Which those are problems that we know about and that I think in some form or fashion we've already heard about, right? But the underlying problem that's really allowed us to kind of sprint with was that once you gave your money as a donor, they did not feel like they had a ticket in the race, right? You go to a racetrack, you say, hey, I know I put money on this horse, right? And you know there's a pool of other people who did the same thing. You see everyone who put it on that horse and people who put it on other horses. And that one factor was missing. And when we show him at that time features that allowed you to continuously feel like, hey, even if you gave $100, that $100, here's what I got back in return where I could see my horse in the race still going, right? So, and and in that turn, we gave them kind of like feedback alerts that allowed you to feel like you had a winning race ticket, right? That was the biggest thing. And for him, he is very politically minded on social media, different things like that. You'll see him talk about it. You'll see him engage. That's the thing that was missing for him is that I can't continue to go on. I just gave $100 and that's it, right? Um, it just kind of flows off in the wind. And that's the connection part that we think is missing there for the low dollar donor. One of the biggest challenges about an app like that joining the progressive ecosystem is how do you integrate and fit in with the existing platforms? People currently donate through ActBlue. They, ton- they donate through NGP Van. They, there's another thing coming up called GiveBlue, which I don't know if you guys are aware of, but it's somewhat in the same vein as you. Is your business model for people to donate through your application or are you pulling data from these other ways that people donate? How do you get a full view for a donor because they may be giving in multiple different ways to different entities? Honestly, right now, our focus is not reinventing the wheel, right? So where that in dollar goes This moment in time, right, how it gets there, we aren't focusing on saying, oh, hey, donate through our platform. We're focused on connecting you to those pieces. But then what happens after that is where our platform comes in, right? Because we don't want to uphill battle with like what you said, like ActBlue and others. Yeah, that have processed billions of dollars and and maybe a little ahead of you in resources and personnel and and adoption in the space. Tell me a little then, how does it work? Then do you do people have to enter in that they donated? Do that do you pull that electronically in some way? How does the information that they gave to a particular Senate race or something get into your application? Currently, um, we have a two-part basis. One is through an API connection. So we don't actually do any of the process and everything right now. APIs that we've connected with. And then two, for example, is through an ActBlue 
um, since it is more of a web-based platform, we can now add in that AgBlue experience in our web-based app, right? Even though it's on your phone. So we don't do any of the actual processing. You pass someone to AgBlue, but what if they have downloaded your app and they just donate to Bernie or someone through ActBlue? Are you going out and looking for that person? You're saying if they had already previously donated. Yeah, let's say previously or just decided, you know, they're not used, they didn't use your app to get to the particular donation that they're making. That's perfect. Those are the people who we're looking for because you are an active low dollar donor. You've given to, let's say, I think, for example, you said Bernie. Um, but in that particular instance, who else do you care about? Right? Because once you've given to Bernie with Act Blue, that's it. But how do you know they did? Well, right now we're running an automation system um, using a system called Phantom Buster, which basically is kind of like a web scraper, different things like that. So it brings us pre-vetted leads on people who have donated and different things like that based off of certain link searches and keywords. So that helps us out there. Then we're also going through a distribution route, working with um, different like orgs and campaigns as well. Sounds like a... a not a fully solved problem. Have you spoken and worked with the people at ActBlue about it? No, not yet. How about people at NGP Van or other donation platforms? So we've been talking to Democracy Engine. Right now we're at the place of we're getting ready to do our beta. So we're using, I think, Democracy Engine for a lot of playing with it because some of this stuff we do have to test out and kind of come back with that. They do provide both compliance and donation processing correct through that platform. Yes. Yeah. So what is the business model for this? What will you be selling? I think we've talked about that in different ways because in some ways people will, people will be able to donate through even score as we get past this testing phase. And there's a even score as a payment processor um, just paying right through there. So percentage of donation We've talked about exploring a SaaS route where there is a admin fee for campaigns and organizations to utilize the data and track the people who are raising. And then we've explored a, a tipping model where it's just a, a tip for a service and letting it be more just out there. Um, I think tipping models have worked. And so we're exploring that. And I think that's where some of our testing will tell us where to go from there. What's the state of the technology? How close to a product that you can have people actually running are you? Yeah, so closer to the end of this month, we'll actually be launching our closed beta. Uh, so right now we have our wait list up and going and we're kind of gathering users that way. But we're going into a closed beta series at the end of this month. And then out of that closed beta, we'll be in an open beta period. I, I believe I joined that wait list today. Perfect. Perfect. What has been the biggest challenge so far, Johnny, in putting this together? I will say transitioning my thought process from organizer to thinking about this as a business. I'm building something where I don't always know where the next step is. So I've had to get very used to having good mentors and good conversations where people can give us feedback on our plans and next steps. So just... Uh, being okay with like, I don't always know where the next thing is. And uh, 
having to figure that out sometimes. What do you think it's the biggest challenge is, Averett? Um, I think the biggest challenge has been in the problem solving area of how do we not just rebuild a form of something that already exists, right? How do we work with the other products that are already out there, right, to actually meet our goals that we're trying to go after, right? And just making sure we're not just copycats and doing what others are doing and kind of just putting the new version of it out there, right? And then people use it for a little bit, then move on to the next new version. So that has really been the driving key that has kind of had us looking at different features right now that we're going to be testing in that closed beta. I'm trying not to say too much about those features, but testing, <laughs> testing those features in that closed beta. And this will tell us a lot. This data will give us a lot coming out of it and understanding if that is the final way we should move coming into this full MVP release. My understanding is that people who get accepted and maybe funded by HGL kind of join a community of other political tech entrepreneurs. Has that happened for you? And what value has that been? Yes. Yes, it has happened. And the value has been tremendous. Early on, we were talking to Ari at Open Field, who went through a cohort before us. We just um, were on a call with someone with uh, Brendan at Vote Us, um, who was in the cohort right before us. And so it's been helpful getting feedback from other founders, hearing kind of their stories, and then realizing how many people might have been kind of just figuring it out like we were. And then access to other companies to explore partnerships, the uh, partnership with DEC, and then even Democracy Engine, where HDL introductions, where um, what could have taken us weeks or even, or we might not have even got it, HDL sent an email and we were able to jump on a phone call. What is your kind of dream for this? What would you love to see come out of this work in the long run? Um. Honestly, I want a tool that fits in the ecosystem that it's in the hands of the donors to use, but it flows with just all the virtual organizing that's happening where you can organize money and people to make change. How about you, Avert? I think coming into this, I might have had a larger vision, right, which was outlandish where, oh, we're going to be the platform that even all voting goes through, digital voting, all this extra stuff. So, but I think now as I've gotten into the space and heard a little bit more about the problems from multiple different sides, I think my ultimate goal coming out of this with even score is to allow that small dollar donor to still stay focused on these issues and on elections outside of election periods right? Really getting outside of those cycle times to where they're still involved, even though it's not fully in front of them all the time on the news or wherever it might be on social media. So I think that is my goal there because I think that's going to help us progressively really move forward. It seems like this is based on the hypothesis that a small dollar donor wants more connection and that you can provide that through this kind of tool. How will you know whether you're right about that? The way we'll know whether we're right about it 
is through the connections that come through the platform. Um, one of the bigger features that reside in the app came from me myself out of this past election. I got so many text messages, the most text messages I've ever gotten in my life from random numbers, talking about candidates, talking about voting. It was kind of a, a, a huge turnoff for me because also when you turn on the TV, that's all you hear about as well. And now it's like, okay, you guys just have direct access to my phone and I'm getting 20 texts a day. How we'll know is the tool that we've given allows for peer-to-peer campaigning. So how many people actively peer-to-peer campaign? That's going to be one of our biggest points of reference, not only for us, but then also for the campaigns and the candidates to know this amount of people want to be active in what I'm doing, even outside of just giving a dollar amount. Are you guys doing this full time? Johnny is not. I've been full time for the past few months on it. Johnny, you still working as an organizer? Yeah, I'm part time. Um, I still I'm still with UFCW as a contract and political director. So I do all the negotiations for the local, and then I'm in charge of all the politics and oversee organizing. That helps keep the payroll manageable for EvenScore. Yes. You raised some money from HDL? Yes. 100000 Was it 100000 How much was it? About 150000 150. So that's your runway, I take it. Did you raise money from anyone else? Not yet. We really have... After HGL, we wanted to take some time to build, and then we we're spending some time building relationships. We're in the HGL accelerator, so we want to build relationships, get our test started, and as we end the accelerator, we'll, we'll kind of start our raise period. Do you have a sense of what you were looking for the next stage of that fundraising? I think we're still figuring that out. I think we've had amounts suggested. We've looked at some numbers but we really wanted to take the time to kind of learn, build the appropriate relationships. And then already a couple of weeks in, the HL Accelerator has been very helpful. So we think it'll help set us up where kind of the best next step we'll get out of this. Curious how you guys think about our current politics. Obviously, you are motivated enough to choose this venue for your entrepreneurial journey. And But what do you think? each of you about where the country is politically right now and why you want to tackle this making maybe change the way you are. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of disenchantment. We're not seeing the kind of victories where we want to see them week to week. It's like, what's the next bad thing we're going to hear? People are tired. And I think change comes when expectations start to rise and across the board, expectations are rising. What's your take on it, Avert? I know you uh, are kind of new to the thinking about politics this way, perhaps. Yeah, I think for me, like Johnny said, there we're kind of waiting to hear this next bad news. But I think from even from what I've seen, Um, from the last presidential election and previous, there is a thought pattern that we, or a lot of us can definitely, especially on the more progressive side, can definitely all be on that same page. 
but maybe we just don't have that synergy to actually execute that, which is what even brought me along the lines of what we're building now, right? That synergy of bringing the same page to action and really um, like what even score we say, focus in the fight. I've started a couple enterprises of my own over the years and tried various projects. Nothing has gone fast for me. Some things have grown substantially and some things I haven't been able to make that useful and had to give up on. How do you guys think about when to persist and follow this vision and when you might have to give up on it? How will you think about like decisions like that, which most every entrepreneur has to think about? For me, I think about it as, for me, following the love, so to speak. If I talk to a industry expert and I'm feeling their energy and love for what I'm putting out, and then I go take that same thing and I talk to who would quote unquote be kind of more my end user or customer, and I feel that love, I might not have it figured out, but I know I'm going in a good direction. Right. When I start feeling that resistance, then I know for me, maybe it's time to stop this or I need to redefine it in a way. There's a wisdom to that. Although sometimes people don't know wh that they should feel the love for something yet they don't see it. And so it might be more talking them into it. How would you answer that question, Johnny? Yeah, I think it's a lot of the ways similar, but We've had a lot of good momentum. I think the relationships, we keep getting uh, good feedback. I'd say we've gained some good mentors. Um, we've worked a lot with Hillary Doe at Nation Builder, Logan LaHive. Um, and even more recently, we've been talking to Abdul El Saeed, um, getting kind of some feedback from a different kind of campaign from someone who's active and has a different kind of platform. So, um, I think the momentum just keeps us moving forward. And I think if the momentum starts to slow up and we get to a stuck place, that's when we know that we need to kind of be in that reevaluation phase. Are you guys partisan? Do you work for anybody or are you focused on just one party? I think definitely more progressive leaning, not specifically party, but I think in the spirit of even score, it's definitely a more progressive tool. Could a Republican use it? We've been asked the question, but I don't know if we've ever given a solid answer. I thought Higher Grand Loud required that out of people that they invested in. Am I wrong? I think they are looking for more progressive focused companies. When we were kind of talked through it with Higher Ground Labs, it was no specific party. That wasn't outwardly spoken. There's obviously an underline there but it wasn't outwardly spoken to us. But in our case, since we're kind of like direct to donor, direct to user, um, and with some of the features of the application, it, it is hard for us to say that a Republican could not use it. But we that's not our focus, for sure. What else would you like people to know 
about what you're up to? I just want people to know that we are focused on building this product to, in the long run, meet you where you are as the donor, as the voter, but allow you to also take us where you are as well. That's the other important part of the conversation, allowing them to take you because different things that I've seen in tech, you try to create the path, but ultimately your tool takes off when you allow your users to take you there. That is our main focus at Ebenscore. Well, it's uh, very interesting to hear you guys talk at such an early stage of the venture. I hope that things go well and maybe you come back and visit me to describe how this took off and what new things you're trying to add to it down the road if you're up for it. Of course, of course. Cool. Well, uh, is there any question that I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No. No, I think you did a great job. Okay, well, thank you then. <laughs> I will try to check out your beta when it's up when, and it should be pretty interesting. That was Johnny Turnage and Averett Barksdale. They are at evenscore.us. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found. The Great Battlefield is now part of the Democracy Group Podcast Network. Visit democracygroup.org to learn more about other podcasts that cover democracy and civic engagement. You can also help me by leaving comments and good ratings on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, and by sending me suggestions for great guests to nperlman at gmail.com. <laughs>